Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York presents weekly sermons and homilies from Father Joshua Baker and Deacon Alan Strauss. Father Joshua is a priest in the CEC dedicated to spreading the message of the gospel and celebrating the ancient faith and worship of the church. CTHS is a family of families, a place to belong and grow, a house of prayer. And now, here's Father Josh. Please pray with me. Father God, as we join together in worship, let us not forget your infinite patience and your love in dealing with your people, of which we count ourselves. Use us in your service that we might draw others into your kingdom. To your praise and glory we ask this. Amen. Today's sermon is entitled, Two Pieces of of cloth. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. Two pieces of cloth. That's the whole point of today's reading. And I think I can understand the readings today from the disciples' perspective better this year than I think I have been in any years before. Because these are people who have been through the ringer. They're disoriented. Their lives have been completely interrupted. They've been flipped upside down. Their sleep patterns are all messed up. And they're struggling to figure out what to do with themselves. They're depressed. They're grieving. They're anxiety-ridden. Does that sound familiar to anyone right now? We can put ourselves in their shoes really easily. And they're in that state of mind right now because for three years... They've followed their master named Jesus around the entire nation of Israel. They've been traveling with him. They've been learning from him. They've been ministering with him. He's taught them what true love looks like, what true knowledge looks like. He's taught them the future of humanity as we know it. He just gave them the Eucharist. He taught them how to serve. And now, in the span of 12 hours, he was ripped away from them. He was taken away and murdered, and they're just rocked in this moment. The whole basis for their lives is gone, and they're still hanging together, not out of faith, but out of fear. They're locked together in the upper room, afraid that if they leave, they'll end up hanging on crosses too. And complicating everything going on is the fact that it's Passover, And then it's the Sabbath, and in these two days, this Friday night to Saturday, this Saturday night to Sunday morning, you're not supposed to do anything. You're not supposed to do any work whatsoever. And the disciples, they didn't have their normal Passover feast. And instead, they felt death passing over them as Jesus took their death for them. I've had people ask me before, why does Good Friday feel so dark? Why does it make you feel so sad if it's Good Friday? And the reason why is because we are supposed to feel that way because that's how the disciples felt. We're supposed to be feeling the shadow of death passing over us. We're supposed to feel the Lamb of God being slain for our sins, not at our dining room tables, but hanging on the cross. Someone that we've loved, not an impersonal animal, but a living, breathing, loving human being, fully divine in wisdom and in character and in power. 
We're supposed to feel the same loss that the disciples felt on Friday night and all throughout the day on Saturday when they were trapped by the Sabbath and by their own fear, unable to visit Jesus' tomb. And so they're just sitting in this room, stuck, wallowing in sorrow and fear. And that's where our stories begin for today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of John chapter 20. And something you need to know about the book of John is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are historical books. They're written for accuracy of events in order, in chronological order. First this happened, then this, then this. But John is not that way. And if you've heard me preach about John or you've heard Bishop Greg preach about John, you'll know John is not that way. John is a theological, poetic book. It's not made for historical accuracy. He shifts things around out of order to be in a certain pattern for one reason, and that's to make it easier to remember. You have to remember, even though he wrote this book down, it wasn't like when Christians were baptized back in the first century that when they were baptized, they got a little black New Testament book with the red letters you know, uh, of Jesus all writ- written in red ink. Paper was still super rare, and not everyone could read back then, and it was still very much an oral tradition society. And so 20 to 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote their Gospels, John wrote his for a different purpose, not to document the events of Jesus' life, but as a theological book to make it easier for people to remember what was most important about Jesus, about what he, who he really was about what he really means and what's important for us to know as Christians. So he wrote his gospel with a poetic technique called a chiasm. And if you were able to watch our Tenebrae service on Wednesday, or if you've seen, or it's Passover time, so if you've seen the Jewish menorahs, it'll be easier to, easier to understand because this poetic structure is set up in the very same way. You've got a book, and on this side, that's a shadow, a book, and on this side, that's a light, and in the, it's all leading you to the center. And the center is the most important idea. So in our text today, you'll see Mary's at the tomb in the beginning, and at the end, Mary's at the tomb. You'll see they don't know the truth at the beginning, and they don't know the truth at the end. See how they're they're corresponding, they're linked together, and as they move in, the links move in closer and closer until you get to the central idea. It also helps to explain something here because for a while, I always thought John was being just kind of a punk (laughs) to Peter. Because if you look in there, he he keeps flexing on him, it seems like, and being like, Peter, remember how I beat you in that race? And then like four verses later, Peter, remember I beat you in that race? (laughs) I, I always thought that was really the point. And I realized he was not rubbing it in. It's part of this poetic structure being intact of we ran, I got there first. There's a theological significance to I got there first. We're not actually going to get into that, but that's why he repeated it twice. He wasn't trying to punk on Peter. He was just keeping the poetic structure intact. The whole point is this. He tries to make it easier to remember, but also to communicate the important thoughts and themes. And in this structure, the most important thing is in the middle. 
So let's just start reading, and we're going to stop at the middle, which is the most important idea. Shall we do that? Okay. It says, John chapter 20, verse 1, says, Now on the first day of the week, this is the Lord's day. This is not the Sabbath. This is the day after the Sabbath. On the seventh day he rested, and on the first day is the Lord's day. That's how it works. And Mary Magdalene just couldn't wait to dress Jesus' body with burial spices. It had been killing her all Friday night and all Saturday during the day that she wasn't allowed to do this. Jesus did not have a proper burial, according to Jewish customs. It says, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And you remember, there had been guards posted there with this massive stone blocking the way. So the only reason the stone would be rolled away with no guards there, according to Mary's mind, is if the Romans or the high priest goons had just taken Jesus' body away. And so here's Mary. She's got all her stuff ready. She's ready to be a good deacon sort of person, like getting ready to get the job done and to do it the right way. And immediately she's thrown from get the job done to where is Jesus' body? And you can only think that she's starting to imagine all the horrible things they might be doing to it at this time. All the horrible ways his body might be being desecrated because they hated him so much. And in that moment, she's lost him all over again. Verse 2 says, So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple, this is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And this next part is the central section of our reading today. This is what John is telling us is the most important part of our reading that is picked up for Easter, it's this. Then Simon Peter, the first pope, the stone of the apostles, he came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. That's the center. Cloth. Linen fabrics folded up. That's the center of our Easter passage? Why? Now, in order to fully understand this, you know what we have to do. If you know the way that I preach about John, we have to go from the light back to the shadow. We have to see what's the corresponding passage at the beginning of the book of John to help us understand this. The early chapters were shadows. The later chapters were light. And the book of Revelation is the greater light the eternal light. But before we do that, we have to remember our question, why are the linen cloths and the face cloth so important? And when we go back to the shadow, the corresponding passage at the beginning of John, when I first looked it up, I thought I made a mistake. I thought this whole idea didn't work out because I was looking for linen cloths or for disciples running or for something like that. And it wasn't there. I didn't see it at all. Instead, the corresponding passage In John chapter 2 is the wedding feast at Cana, where Jesus made the wedding the best it could possibly be. I didn't see Mary Magdalene. I didn't see Peter and John. 
Instead, I just saw a wedding. And I was super confused, so I had to look a little bit deeper. And I, I, I found out that the wedding was a time of purity and covenant. And I looked a little deeper and I found imagery that is so strong and symbolisms that's so important that I could just go on and on and on and on about what, how John was so brilliant to correspond these, thing, these two events together. But I can't do that today. Instead, maybe we can start a Bible study sometime and just examine these two passages. But instead, I'll just give you this one piece. It's the linen that is used in the wedding ceremony. Just two important ways the linen was used is what we'll talk about today. First of all, it was used to build the chuppah. This is the wedding canopy. It's the home, the, the garment, the bed covering that everybody stood under or that the couple stood under when they were married. And that bed covering, that home, that chuppah, the canopy was symbolizing God's presence in the wedding. And when it was there, its whole purpose was to sanctify, consecrate, and bless the new relationship that was being established under the canopy of God's presence and his love. Now, back in the desert times, there was the tabernacle, and it was a big tent made out of linen, that was used to house the presence of God at the building and the establishing of this new covenant with God and his people in Moses' time. They called it a chuppah. A bridal canopy was the tabernacle of God. Showing us that the covenant between God and his people was established under the presence and the love of a present and living God. And when the disciples came in, they saw the linen cloths lying there. And they didn't understand at this time, but later John would come to understand, and he would give us the wedding feast at Cana so that we would understand that the cloths that covered Jesus' body that we meant to be a symbol of death and of loss became the wedding canopy that covered the sanctified, consecrated, living and loving presence of God in our new covenant with him. One other thing is that the face cloth covering Jesus' head, it was known as a sudarium, and it was only worn at one other time in a Jewish man's life, and that was by a man right after his wedding ceremony had taken place. He put on a linen head cloth. It had the same name. It was always used at those two times in life. It was at your wedding and at your funeral. It was symbolizing the linen that was the last layer in the tabernacle. You know how we have this thing back here? And inside, it's covered with linen. The same way that the tabernacle that held the Ten Ten Commandments, the last layer in there was a linen layer called a sidarium. Same face covering, the same material, the same idea of holding, of separating the holy of holies from God away from all the rest of the flesh, away from the people. It was also the name given to in the old temple. There was all these layers of cloth that you had to walk through if you were the the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. And the very last layer was a linen layer of cloth that separated the presence of God 
from the people. And when the disciples came in, they found the last separation between the presence of God and the people of God folded and put aside. And they didn't understand until later, and they were confused and afraid. And it says, verse 8, Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside, weeping outside the tomb. And later Jesus explained it to them. And John's explaining it to us, and Christians have understood throughout time, and that's why we have this selected as our text for today, that this cloth separating Christ's body and blood from the rest of the room, this one that we have right here, you can't see it here, I'm going to actually turn the camera. This cloth that we have right here, folded and put in place at a certain time is taken away and is folded up and put aside so that we are no longer separated from the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back. You know, if Jesus had been an American, John probably would have said it like this, that we put Jesus in his tuxedo, and we thought it was for his funeral, but it was actually for his wedding. It was actually the day that God got married to the church. And now we need to look to the eternal light, and so we look to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 12, and he says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, And on turning, I saw one like a son of man, clothed with a long linen robe and a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were like white, were like white linen, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first And the last, and the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. And that's why this Easter Sunday, on this day of resurrection, we don't see Jesus explaining everything to them. Like that, that's going to come. That's over the next few weeks in the season of Easter. Because you know, Easter's not just a day, it's a season in our church. Today, we simply focus on two pieces of cloth. And they show us, not in explanation, but in mystery, that God is not far off. That he's not separated from us and that we are not separated from each other. Not by time, not by miles, not by a virus, but that we have the saving presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ drawing us near, making us holy, setting us apart for a relationship of love and of peace, and through the power of his resurrection, we have new life with God and with each other in his glory forevermore.
Alleluia, Christ is risen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, by your radiant and magnificent resurrection, you broke the bonds of death, and you rose from the grave as a conqueror. You reconciled heaven and earth. Our life had no hope of eternal happiness before you redeemed us, and your resurrection has washed away our sins, has restored our innocence, and has brought us joy. How inestimable inestimable is the tenderness of your love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. You've been listening to sermons and homilies from Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York, delivered weekly by Father Joshua and Deacon Allen. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more, visit our website at ChristTheHolyServant.com. Join us for live prayer every morning at 7 a.m. or join us for worship on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Christ the Holy Servant or on YouTube by searching for Christ the Holy Servant. We hope this has blessed you and helped you come closer to God our Father. And now may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.